0: Good vibrations. Take
1: one. You're listening to Good Vibrations, a Beach Boys music program, sponsored by Endless
0: Summer Quarterly.
2: Welcome to episode 40 of Good Vibrations, a Beach Boys program. I'm David Beard. I'm glad you're joining me today. I just had a wonderful Zoom conference call with Brent Wilson, who's the director of the new Brian Wilson Long Promised Road documentary, premiering the 17th and then actually being available in select theaters and in streaming services on the 19th of November, just a few days away. And Brent was in Brian's house in L.A., and Jason was in his home in Brooklyn, New York. So there's a couple of times during our conversation that brent cuts in and out and it's just because i guess the connection was a little spotty and uh jason's dog was in the living room with him so we do get to hear from his dog so but it's there's some ambient background noises is the point and i i hope you'll enjoy this and one of the things that i kind of want to point out as we go into this into this discussion is there's there's just so much warmth and and heart and vulnerability and sadness and beauty in the new Brian Wilson, Long Promised Road documentary. It's really touching, and I know it's going to move you if you love Brian as much as I do. And we get into that, but there's something else magical that has happened during the process of this documentary. Brent and Jason have become fast friends. So we'll start this episode, and you'll get to be a part of what I experienced. A couple of buddies (laughs) giving one another a hard time
3: you got, you got a lot of instruments there, Brent.
4: You know, I uh, benefit of being at Brian's house.
3: <laughs> I was gonna say, why do you have a gold, a gold pet sounds?
4: Yeah, yeah, you know my contributions on Triangle uh, Jason are uh, pretty legendary. Oh really <laughs> I, I, had
3: not, I had not read about those.
4: Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you've, you've purposely ignored my contributions. Um, you know. I also play a uh, triangle on Barbo Rally. Um, For the who, I don't know if you know that or not, but uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a badass triangle player.
2: And all this time, I thought it was the cowbell. So,
4: yeah, no, 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 I was I way way before cowbell. I made the triangle. I I, made triangle.
2: Oh, very good, very good. Well, I was I was hoping we could get started, Brett. I wanted to begin with you because I wanted to get a sense uh, of where the documentary began and when you began working on it, and what was your original goal when you set out to do this documentary?
4: Yeah, great question. Uh, The the original goal was a a lofty one. I mean, uh, my theory has always been, you know, when you do a project, uh, the bar is always gonna fall, so you might as well set the bar high. And um, I set the bar really high for this one. Um, There's been a lot of projects on, on Brian, there's a lot of books, a lot of movies, uh, a lot of, you know, of course, a lot of uh, uh, other documentaries, and I just wanted to, uh, uh, I wanted to try to do something different. I wanted to try to, uh, to bring something that hadn't been seen before, and I wanted to have something uh, new for the ear, um, and I, I wanted to reveal Brian in a way that maybe hadn't been, had, hadn't been revealed before, so that was a really lofty go, Um and uh, I, I quickly discovered when we set out to do it, that it was going to be a lot tougher than I thought. Um, as you kind of see at the beginning of the film, I, in, I tried to interview Brian a couple of times. And um, the first time I interviewed him was, uh, we tried to do just an audio only interview, just in the studio. And it was just audio. And it was just, you know, just Brian and I. And, and that was okay and not great. And, uh, and I thought, well, let's try to interview him here at the house. And the music room. And, um, that didn't go so well. You see a little bit of that in the beginning of the film. And, uh, and then that's when I realized, you know what, I've got to do something drastic here. I've got to, otherwise I'm, you know, I'm going to fail this, this film is not going to make it. And, um, uh, not only will it fail, I'll never work again. So <laughs> I was like, I got to come up some dramatic. <laughs> so I, uh, I reached out to Gene Seavers, Brian's manager. And she said that I talked to Jason. And I think Jason, when she initially set it up, you tell me, but I think when she set it up, she was like, talk to these guys and see if they'll, you know, give them some advice <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because, um, you know, that was, I think was the original approach, but Jason had written this really beautiful article called Brian Wilson's better days in Rolling yep. Stone. And yep. I, I wrote article. And when I read that article, I thought to myself, that's the movie. That's that's the movie I want to see. I'm a fan. I'm a Brian Wilson Beach Boy fan, and I want to see that movie, you know. And that's, I always try to put myself in the position of the audience. And, you know, that I am the audience. So I'm like, that's the movie. And Jason, um, I think, you know, probably much to his chagrin, said, I'll do anything I can to help. And cut to five years later.
2: <laughs> okay, so five years. Um and and Jason, once how, who contacted you? Was it so? It was Brent
3: contacting you. Um, yeah, Brent and the producers contacted me, and and just coincidentally, um, they were going to film Brian going to a show in Santa Barbara okay. from L.A. and I was going to that show in Santa Barbara with Brian, um, writing a story for Rolling Stone, and uh, I met Brent on the tour bus actually that that day um and the you know the, the the story that that I'll joke around with Brent about is that halfway between LA and Santa Barbara Brian sort of kicked him off the bus <laughs> on the side of the road with his camera and so I sort of sensed that there might be trouble <laughs> um but Brent, but Brent and I just I don't know gave you that clue <laughs> <laughs> um Brent and I hit it off and you know and and got along really well and and just really from the the very beginning of working together had a sort of similar approach to really capturing Brian who he is you know and not trying to create a narrative around Brian or trying to be another you know party coming in and telling you who Brian is or how he is or what he cares about but really giving Brian the opportunity to do that for himself um, and that's really been sort of one of the things that's been really important to me in my career and and I, I you know, learned that that was important to Brent as well.
2: Jason, you've I've, I've read not just the article that that Brent cited, but I've read many of your articles regarding the the guys through the years in Rolling Stone, and I'm I'm curious about what you feel because I know you've met so many different artists, legacy acts that distinguishes Brian and the Beach Boys from all those other groups.
3: Well, I mean, it's really hard to to sort of pinpoint that because you have your own subjective interest, right? I grew up in Southern California. I grew up, you know, listening to the Beach Boys Endless Summer record was the first record I ever owned. And, you know, as a kind of, I guess, somewhat lonely kid growing up in Southern California, that music really spoke to me. I didn't really know why. I didn't know, you know, against all these sunny harmonies and all these beautiful melodies, there was this current of, you know, emotional turmoil in the music that, you know, you didn't really... I didn't really think about it that way, but, but clearly that was something that was um, speaking to me. And, you know, and then like a lot of people in the 80s, I kind of forgot about the, the Beach Boys and went on about my life and then rediscovered them. And Brian's music really in the, in the 90s, um, when he had started to kind of make stirrings of, of uh, a solo career. Um, and that kind of started, you know, with Orange Crate Art with Van Dyke and I think it was 94. And I started paying attention. Um, And I went to work full-time at Rolling Stone in 1997, which was right around the time that he started to put his band together and started to think about, he was recording Imagination and he was gonna go out on tour. And I just happened to kind of fall in with that. And I was there and and paid attention and really got to know Brian around that time. So um, how does he compare? You know, I don't know. Brian is a is a really um, sensitive person, a really vulnerable person, a really open person in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, he struggles with a lot of mental health issues and that doesn't make what he does easy for him, but it does show such courage um, in what he does and that he overcomes these issues all the time to make new music and try and make new music. He's not just falling back in his, even now when you go see his sets, there's always music that you haven't heard before live. And some of that music has never been played live. You know, some of his great stuff from the seventies, never, never been heard before. And so I find that really inspiring that he's going out there, that he's, he's finding new ways. And I mean, even if you think about pet sounds, which he's performed a lot, imagine performing a record that you wrote when you're 22 years old in your seventies it's a, you're a different person. You have a different orientation and that comes through in the music too. So I think he's really honest, you know, and I think he's really, um, remarkable for that courage that he brings, uh, to, to, to his music now.
2: One of the things that really struck me about this documentary in particular, Jason was the way your way, and I, you, we use the word inspired and that's, I was inspired by that. You, the way that you're, uh, I love the scene in the deli where you guys are just kind of getting on. And, and you do see Brian's vulnerability so often throughout this documentary. I'm, Brent, I'd just like you to touch on this for a minute. What you kind of picked up in, 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 what Brian, in what Brian and Jason, and how they connected, not necessarily just in the deli, but overall, and Jason's, I'll use Brian's word here, consistent way of talking. And the way that he was able to just kind of let Brian have the room.
4: Yeah. Isn't it amazing that, you know, of all the things that Brian's can say about somebody, he chooses Jason's voice, you know, if for Brian it's always auditory it's, you know, he likes the way Jason speaks and I, I thought that was an incredible moment an incredible scene and, and again so revealing as a fan about Brian. Um, but I, I did. I saw from the very beginning um, just uh, the relationship that those two had and the, um, the friendship that they have. And it really informed the film. Um, you know, my editor and I, uh, Hector Lopez and I, when we sat down and we, and we were watching the footage and, and we saw this, it, it sounds like a strange reference, but we talked about it being, it's a, a buddy cop movie. You know, it's, <laughs> yes. it's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid yeah it's you know it's lethal weapon and and we literally (laughs) kind of talked about that kind of a reference and how you've got to let moments play out and um and treat it like a buddy movie and uh and and that was the way we approached it because that was what i saw i saw two friends hanging out and i would be in the i was in the follow call i could hear everything they were saying and and as jason said you know sometimes they'd go 20 minutes or so and not say anything and that's only something you can do with your friend. You know, if it, you know, right. if you're riding in the car with your friend with a stranger, you you try to force the conversation, those silences get awkward or something. You know, you would never do that with somebody you just met. But with buddy, you can just sit there and look out the window and change the radio station. And, and I, and I, I saw that and I sensed that and, uh, and it did it and it, it formed the film, it, it formed the path that it was going to that it was going to take, and and I'm I'm really proud of the fact that it's um it's a film as much about friendship as it is anything else.
2: Yeah, a lot of a lot of trust between Brian and Jason, and 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 Jason, how one of the really poignant moments for me is when you revealed to Brian that Jack Riley had died, yeah. and and he had no idea, and you just see the pain wash over him. Uh, that he's that he's lost Jack when you went back and watched that um how how did that sit with you that you ended up being the guy to reveal that because you realized you had to realize you ended up causing Brian some pain and some some sorrow and I know how much you love him looking back on that moment how does that resonate with you
3: it was horrible I mean you know it was hard I I didn't you know at the time I didn't realize that that would be a, an emotional moment for Brian, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was painful for me to see, you know, I couldn't also really see him because I was driving, so I didn't really, you know, it was, it was hard. Um, you know, I will say though, that one of the things that Brian and I have connected on over the years is loss and both of our losses. And especially, you know, when I lost my father, um, Brian called me, you know, and he wanted to talk and he wanted to tell me about how he feels, you know, about losing his father. And so we have connected on, on those kinds of subjects, you know, um, mortality and loss. And and I remember him saying to me once, he said, does it still, you know, bother you that your, your, your dad passed? And I said, it does. I think about him all the time. He said, I do too. It's still really painful. And so, um, you know, that is hard stuff, but that's part of friendship too, um, you know. And I, I feel, you know, lucky that we have that that kind of bond. It certainly helped me, um, and I hope it's helped him too.
2: Yeah, I I think that's that's one of the things. It, it is kind of bad information that you were giving Brian in that moment, but at the same time, I can't think of a better person to have told him, um, just because of the closeness that I see that you the two of you share. Um, because I think coming from anybody else, it would be have been even harder for him.
3: Yeah, uh, no, I, I I was doing a story a few several years ago about Merle Haggard um, while he was alive, and you know he was sitting in the back, and you know you get to be a certain age, and like you just people are passing, you know people are moving on, and and Merle Merle said to his one of his bandmates, he gave him the bad news, from so news came on on his phone that one of their old bandmates had died, and and and. and Merle said to his bandmate, you know, it's, 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 it's going around. And, and the guy said, what's going on? And he said, "Dying. everyone's doing it. You know, I mean, it is part of life as you get older. Right. And uh, yeah. So, but it's hard. Yeah.
2: Brent, what in, in, in doing this documentary and, and, and watching Jason and Brian just together generally, what, what did you learn and how has it brought you and Jason together closer?
4: I consider Jason a brother. I I've, uh, I love Jason. I mean, it's we've gone through this this incredible journey together, and I'm one of the things that I'm I'm proud of uh, with this project is is I I've, I've I you know I consider Jason a friend and uh, and and Brian a friend. So if you can come out of a project and and you've gained two friends and two love, you know people in your life that you love, I mean, my God, that's you know if this film never makes a dime. And never get seen by a soul, you know. I'll, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to have, you know, these two people in my life now, and I, that I never would have had without this film, and so I'm very, very thankful for that, um, and I'm very appreciative of that. So that's been that's been a blessing. Um, and then I think as far as like learning from from Jason and, and just seeing. Um, how patient he is with, with Brian. I think that'll make me a better filmmaker. You know, he's, there's just a um, a patience that he does with his, you know, with, with Jason, uh, with Brian that Jason does that is, um, uh, I, I know I'll carry that with me in, into my next project. And, um, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to force something right then and there. And by forcing something, you know, you may get an answer, but it's, probably not gonna be a good answer and it's better to wait for that good answer so that was that was lovely to learn and then just through watching Jason and Brian, I got to learn how funny Brian is you know I I didn't know Brian Wilson was so funny you know I had no idea and um, so that was that was great you know the scene with them in the car you know and um, <laughs> you know yelling out at the car and things oh, like that yeah. the film was kind of
2: that's great. Yeah. Jason's like, no, 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 they're too far away. And he goes, hey, buddy. Yeah, that, that was, they're not too far away,
3: Jason. <laughs> yeah. No, Brian, Brian is hilarious. And that that's, that's
4: Brian. And there's all these kind of like little non sequiturs that he would do and just kind of talk about and bring up and things that I couldn't quite work into the film because they didn't kind of, you know, you got to kind of pick and choose you know, how you're going to, you know, what's going to, what are you going to leave in? What are you going to take out to, to make this film a, a flow? And, um, but yeah, Brian would just kind of do all these little funny non sequiturs. And um, one of my favorite memories, uh, Jason, I don't know if I remember or not, but at a certain point, like you guys were talking and we had a radio in the car, uh, like, a because uh, so, I'm in the follow car and I could listen to everything Brian and Jason are saying, but I didn't want to break that fourth wall. Right. Because I, I didn't, I wanted Jason and Brian to just, you know, do their thing. And, but there was one point where they were talking about a song. I can't remember what it was and what year it came out, or what the name of the song was. And it was a part of the conversation I wanted them to keep going on about. So I just Googled it real quick and I can't remember even what the song was, but, and I Googled and I came on the radio and I said, you know, Hey, that song came out in 1974. And Brian goes, Brent, is that you can, can you hear everything we're saying? And I go, yeah, yeah, Brian, it's me. I I can hear everything. And then he would start talking to me like, you know, hey, Brent, how you doing back there? Uh, Hey, Brent, we're going through uh, Brentwood, you know, (laughs) just silly little kind of almost dad jokes, if you will. And he just got the biggest kick out of the fact that I could hear him. And that was just funny. It was it was lovely to, to be a part of that experience that.
2: And Jason, I would ask you the same question in terms of what? you learned from Brent in this, what I'll call a kind of a a triangle, this, this, this relationship between you, Brian and Brent for the making of this documentary.
3: Yeah. Well, I learned so much. I mean, for me, you know, having spent a lot of time with Brian and also having just reported lots of stories about artists, musicians, but not really in my imagination, being able to see how that would translate into something that's, Cinematic, something that's visual. Um, So that opened up so many possibilities for how we could do this and how we could make it work and how it's not a matter of just editing tape, but it's putting together a visual um, representation of this friendship of this, these questions of this. Sorry, my dog is coughing. Oh. (laughs) He's 16 years old and he's blind and deaf. Oh. And the cat is chasing him, so. Anyway, um, so, you know, Brent was so patient with me in sort of, you know, telling me what was possible and, and how we could do this and, and also in just following my lead with Brian. I think we should go here. No, I don't think we should go there. We should go here because I would get a sense from Brian, you know, when, it, when he was getting antsy or when he was getting hungry or whether it was the right time to drive to Malibu or, or what. And so Brent made the whole thing happen. Um, so seamlessly and like he said with this sort of friendship this brotherhood this this camaraderie that he and um brian and i built up um and we would end these days of filming and you know we'd be in the car for seven hours or something like that and then we'd go back to brian's house and we'd end these days just you know feeling so good i mean one of the things i think is and i've seen this a lot with brian is right he's he's got emotional issues, mental health issues. And there's there are things where you feel like you're pressuring, you don't want to feel like you're pressuring him to do something that he's not up for, right? Mm-hmm. Um you want to be able to support him and create an environment for him to feel comfortable but not feel like he's being pushed to do something he didn't want to do. And Brenton, and I talked about that a lot and worked really hard to make Brian feel comfortable, to not push too hard when he wasn't ready, but to be ready when he was. And that was a lot of it, um, being ready when he was. And I think that comes through in the film. You know, you see him enjoying himself and being communicative in a way that sometimes he isn't.
2: Yeah. And Jason, you just reminded me of a scene that I had forgotten. Um, when you guys go back, because there, there is the deli scene and he says, hey, when we get back to the house, can you play me Dennis's album? yeah and watching his reaction and the way that he closes his eyes you can see him immerse himself and it it strikes me as i'm sure it did you that he had never listened to the whole thing before and it 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 must have been a fascinating tell me about that moment when you're playing that music because it's pacific ocean blue is such an incredible album to have to to be there in the room to play that for, for you know play dennis's music for his
3: brother Yeah, I mean, the context of that is really interesting too. You know, a lot of what this film is about is about his relationship with his brothers and his unresolved feelings about his brothers. And clearly that was coming out a lot. Um, And he was really, when we were driving in LA and going up Coldwater Canyon and passing Carl's house or somewhere where he used to hang out with Dennis. I mean, it was jogging these memories and these feelings. And, you know, I think with both brothers, you know, they weren't able to express that to each other in their lifetimes in the way that Brian wishes maybe he could. And so one of the things that really came up when we were listening to music and the music that he wanted to hear was the music that kind of came in the late 60s and early 70s when Brian was kind of in and out, he would be producing and then the guys would carry on and both Dennis and Carl really stepped up. Carl is a singer, of course, and Dennis, too, but also as producers, and they were coming in and they were really carrying Brian's legacy forward. And I don't know that Brian ever really thought of it that way until we started talking about it when we were driving wow. around and Dennis's record. Clearly, he was relating to it in a way like he didn't realize that Dennis had made such an incredible album, whether he'd heard it or not or no, he says that he hadn't. Um, but clearly he was hearing it with new ears for the first time. And that was a really, really special thing. And I knew he brought it up a couple of times. He said, you know, when we get back to the house and he always says, can you boot up Dennis's album? And and so when we went back to the house and and Brent can, can tell this part of the story, but you know, we thought we were gonna get, you know, he was gonna listen to a couple of songs. It was gonna last 10 minutes and um, and then it was gonna be over, but he he wanted to listen to the whole album. And that was, really a special
4: moment um yeah our poor camera guy we, we were at the deli and we were finishing up the day we you know and he said i want to go listen to the album and and uh so we came back to the house and i told max our, our dp and max was like he's he like i want to bring in a light and, and tripod and all that stuff and i'm like no i don't i don't want to lose the mood i don't want to lose the moment he wants to hear it let's just do it now you know, don't worry about the tripod or anything like that. Cause I think, you know, this is probably only gonna last five or 10 minutes. And then he he's just gonna stop. And we listened to that whole album and our Max, our DP had his camera, you know, 70 pound camera on his shoulder for an hour. And you know, I had to get the poor guy a massage afterwards because he did <laughs> do the whole thing handheld because Brian wanted to listen to every track. And all I could do is just turn to Max at the end of the day and go, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs>
1: This is Brian Wilson, and you're listening to Good
4: Vibrations with David Beer.
2: That song that we just got to listen to is called River Song. It's the lead track from Dennis Wilson's 1977 solo album, Pacific Ocean Blue. That re- that particular version is from the 2008 re-release on Sony Legacy. It's such a great song. You could see why Brian wanted to visit it. And the whole album is great, so I highly recommend you seek out Dennis Wilson, Pacific Ocean Blue. And if you're able to actually find the legacy packaging from 2008, the CD, it's pretty cool because it comes with a lot of extra stuff that was eventually going to become Dennis's second solo album called Bamboo. Check it out for sure. Look it up. So we're going to pick things up again with Jason talking more about Brian's interest of speaking about his brother's.
3: You know the, the feeling that I really got was how proud Brian was of his brothers and their accomplishments and you know I'm sure he he's thought about that and knows that but it gave him an opportunity to reflect back on on those guys and their connection and meaning and and that was to me a really special part of that journey.
2: There's not many people who walk this earth that can say they have the ability to, you know, buddy up with Brian Wilson. I mean that's it's it's an it's a it's a true a test, testament to you, um, and I, I think there's, it's like I guess you could call it a buddy cop movie or a documentary, but it's it's so much. It, it really is meaningful. It it really is. I think as as a as a Beach Boy fan and a Brian Wilson fan, certainly I get this Brian Wilson story, but I'm also I feel like I've learned so much about you, Jason. They, you know, here's the guy I've been reading these articles from this guy all these years, and it's really it's beautiful, all of it beautiful um, kind of uh, so jason as you are going forward one of the questions that i had especially because when we did the uh the conference after the, we watched the documentary yeah and i was asking you a question and brian jumped in and said hey do you remember when we went to so and so and we had you know all <laughs> of a sudden you guys are talking about beers and dinner, and I'm like, what just happened? So I'm curious about how you're able to kind of continue your friendship. You've touched on that a little bit already because he, he called you when your, when your dad passed. But I'm curious about how you kind of, because as Brian said in the documentary, he doesn't have a whole lot of people out there in his world that he can kind of just go out and hang with and have, you know, go to the deli or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking this question out of hope and, and faith that you guys are able to continue your relationship and your friendship and kind of go out and do things together.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, COVID got in the way of it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And everyone was being very safe. And so for me, Brent's seen Brian and Brent's at Brian's house right now, but uh, I haven't seen Brian, you know, in two years. Um, So I'm going out and flying out on Wednesday and and Brent and Brian and I are going to dinner on Wednesday. So we're going to pick up where we left off then. And uh, you know, we're going to just keep, keep, uh, keep up the Cobb salads and the sushi and the Caesar salad and stay, Brian, you know, one of the things Brian always likes to do when, when he and I go out is, is he likes to order for me. He's like, <laughs> my, my friend is going to have the Caesar salad and he's going to have a ribeye medium rare. <laughs> you know And then, and then, and then he, he doesn't drink beer. You used to have a couple of beers, but he doesn't anymore. And so now he tries to discourage me from having a beer It's really oh. bad. For you. you don't, you don't want to do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, he wants you to stick around, you know, that's what it is. He needs his buddy. Um, uh, yeah. Brent, uh, what can fans, I know we're, we're going to be seeing the release of this documentary here. It's going to be on streaming services and, and I guess select theaters. Is that correct?
4: That's correct. Yep. Yep. Okay. So it's, uh, November 17th um, is the opening night. And, uh, it's a uh, kind of a sneak peek, if you will, mm-hmm. and then uh, only in theaters. And then on uh, November 19th, uh, it'll be uh, nationwide here in the states, um, in uh, in about 125 theaters. So as they used to say, you know, back in the old days, check your local listings. Uh, and then it'll also be available on video on demand on all the usual video on demand platforms. But but what I would absolutely encourage anyone who listens to this podcast and has followed your writing, David, another real fans. And I would encourage all of those people to see it in the theater, Um, hear this music, you know, in a theater, in 5-1, you know, uh, see this on the big screen, um, immerse yourself in it. Um, That's where um, I'm really proud that we're gonna have that experience. You know, we waited a year, uh, almost two years because of COVID uh, for theaters to reopen so that we could have this experience. So I would encourage anyone um, who's listening or reading your writings? To yeah, go to movie theater. You'll yeah, you'll appreciate uh, uh, seeing it and hearing it that way.
3: Yeah, it really sounds great. It sounds amazing. Uh, I guess one of the I, I don't
2: know if I'm getting the horse in front of the or the carriage in front of the horse here, but with a DVD release, which a lot of I'm seeing online, a lot of people are asking these questions. With the DVD released, can you do you foresee being able to include a lot of the uncut stuff, a lot of the like one-on-one interviews you did, like with Brian's band members and those types of things, as bonus material?
4: Yeah, it's a great question. I hope so. I haven't I haven't heard about a physical DVD yet, but that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, now that I've kind of you know now that the film is done, you know, I'm kind of the last guy to know. Um, kind of a thing. So I hope there is going to be a physical DVD, and that we do get the opportunities because we do have a lot of amazing interviews with all of the band. Um, you know, fifty minutes with Springsteen and Elton John, and every one of those moments you could use, you know, uh, I, we could have used in the film. They're all remarkable interviews. Um, uh, there's some great scenes that didn't make the film just for, kind of for timing purposes. And so I do I, I really hopeful that will be a, an opportunity for that to be out someday.
2: Oh, excellent. Well, listen, you guys both deserve uh, accolades is not the right word. You, there's so much heart in this documentary that there's some heart and value. And uh, I just would say to you both that I hope. Uh, You understand and have deep satisfaction uh, having accomplished this because I think it's going to give people who are either just discovering Brian or maybe have been discovering him since the Love and Mercy film, um, you know, a a really great sense of everything that you would need to know about Brian Wilson. Um, And that's, that's saying a lot for something that's captured within the hours and minutes of this documentary. So thank, thank you me. very much.
4: No, thank, thank you that, so much. We'd that really was our goal. It. it really was. We, we hope that it's uh yeah, that this is seen. Uh, we Jason and I talked about this and we talked about this with the crew. It was like, you know, um, it sounds, I don't know, maybe even arrogant to say it, but we literally approached it. Like, you know, what would it be like if there was 70 hours of interviews with Beethoven? How important <laughs> would that be in 2000 and you know, 24, you know, I, you know, I didn't think of it any differently. I, I didn't treat it any differently. I was like 150 years from now, I want this to be the source. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, we approached it. I didn't know any other way to make the film except that kind of uh, respect for Brian.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, bravo. I'd like to thank Brent Wilson and Jason Fine for their time. What a fun conversation and be sure to reserve your tickets now. We're only a day away from the premiere on the 17th, and then it'll be available in select theaters and streaming services come November 19th. But as Brent and Jason were quick to point out, you will really enjoy this on the big screen in a movie theater. So get your tickets now. Reserve your tickets now. If you're anything like where I live, you have to kind of go online and reserve your seats. So do it. I've watched this on my computer screen, of course. Um, it'll be a lot different when I go to see it in the theaters, but I can tell you it's really uh, full of warmth and heart. And Brian's so vulnerable in it, and there's so, there's some really sad moments, but it's really beautiful. It's just really beautiful, and of course, there's music, so you can't beat that. And speaking of music, I just making me. I just want to tell you a little bit about ESQ, Endless Summer Quarterly Magazine. We just did the fall edition, fall 2021 edition, dedicated to Brian's mother, Audrey. Got to interview Brian for that. And it's really an interesting edition because it's not just Audrey's story. It's also Carl's story. That's because the first interview that I did was with Carl's first wife, Annie, Billy Henschey's sister, also the mother to Jonah and Justin Wilson. And she met Audrey and Carl on the same day. So that became a kind of a two-part story. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot about Annie and Carl meeting and getting married in the Audrey edition as well. It's pretty unique. It's quite beautiful. Very lovely. And the f- winter edition is going to be dedicated to Carl because we're coming up on what would have been his 75th birthday on December 21st. And that's full of wonderful stories that have never been shared or told before. And uh, with family and friends and colleagues. Um, and Brian, of course has the, uh, the introduction. So I hope you, uh, check out ESQ. Just head over to the website. It's esquire esquarterly.com com. ES quarterly.com or find us on Facebook. Just type in endless summer quarterly magazine. We'll pop up, look for the surfer logo, easy to find. And then, uh, you know, check us, check us out. Uh, if you're a subscriber, you get the magazine when it comes out. It comes out four times a year. But if you buy the individual issues, you usually have to wait uh, well over a month before it becomes available as an individual issue purchase. And uh, so head over, check it out. And if you want to get see the testimonial from Brian, Mike, Al, and Bruce, you can uh, click on the subscribe to the magazine button. So there you go. Anyways, I hope everyone has a great... Thanksgiving, and be sure to go and see Long Promised Road. But on that note, I thought because we have Feel Flows, this recent box set, and because this new Brian Wilson documentary is called Long Promised Road, I just thought that was such an incredible testament to to Carl. And so I wanted to close this episode with a special recording of Long Promised Road, which is on the new five disc box set. It's from Disc 4. It's track 13, and it's the a cappella version of Long Promised Road.
0: I hope you enjoy
2: this, and have a
0: great holiday. So hard to answer future's riddle when a head is seeming so far behind So hard to laugh a childlike giggle when the tears start to torture my mind so hard to shed the life of before To let my soul automatically soar But I hit, hit hard, hard at the
1: battle that's confronting battle me Knocked knock knock, down, down. all the roadblocks that stumbling me throw, throw, throw off all the shackles down, that are binding me down. Down, down, down,
0: down So up the wounds of evolution now And the now starts to get in my way Na, 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 so what if life's a revelation if the mind speaks of only today So real the pain of growing in soul Of climbing up to
1: realities go but I can't hit
0: promised road trail starts at dawn carries on to the season's ending long promised road flows to the source channel force never ending never ending So hard to lift the jeweled scepter When the weight turns a smile to a frown So hard to drink of passion nectar When the taste of life's holding me down So hard to plant the seed of reform To set my sights on defeating the storm So I hit, hit, hit hard, hard, hard
1: at the battle it's that's confronted me So knock down, down, down all the roadblocks say yeah hey what, what oh oh oh